Welcome to Roundhill Radio, the podcast from Roundhill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Welcome to Roundhill Radio. I'm Leslie. I'm Ed. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Leslie. Good to see you. Today, we are talking about the Spirit, because we're heading into a sermon series um, about this, right? I mean, we're all we're heading into Pentecost, which naturally mm-hmm. lends itself to spirit. We'll get into that later. Yes. Um, but talk to me about the tie-in there. Yeah. So um, when you and Pastor Dan and I discussed our thoughts about planning worship going into the future, we thought about you know what what could be uh, something that would connect us with the season, the flow of the Christian seasons, and also what's happening outdoors right now, which is there's an explosion of activity, and so for people. In all places who are listening in on this podcast, we wanted that to be accessible for all of you. So our thoughts were attracted to the words or drawn to the words nature and spirit and how those two words, you know, are very closely linked. And I guess the one thing I would say right off is that the Bible starts with a beautiful image of the interplay of spirit and nature. God's spirit is hovering over the waters, you know, these very this very chaotic time at the dawn of creation very, very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. So I think that that relationship is right there from the beginning. Absolutely. So that's, that's, is that, is that where the spirit sort of first appears in the Bible? It is. And uh, the, the Hebrew word that's used in that story is ruach and ruach can mean breath, wind, and spirit. I love the fact that it does Triple duty. Uh, The Greek word for spirit is pneuma, from which we get the word pneumatic. uh, And it also can refer to breath and to spirit. So I really love that. Again, spirit and nature, you know, connected all the way through. I love that. A pneumatic device of using air for power, right? Using air. Yeah. I love that. Sacred breath. So I think of, when I think of the spirit, I think to me, it's so much tied with the ministry of Jesus. I feel like that's where we hear about it more. Mm. Um, What was the significance in his ministry? I think it's interesting that according to at least one of the stories, so we have these four portraits of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, known as four gospels. And in the gospel of Luke, the first time he preaches publicly, he goes to his hometown synagogue. Uh, It's not not always an... (laughs) an easy thing to do to go to your hometown community of faith and preach. And, and actually it turned out that didn't turn out all that well. <laughs> However, at the beginning, um, he stood up in front of the congregation and he found a text and from an ancient prophecy called the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he quotes it almost directly. He changes it a little bit, but he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That's his foundation right there. So it's very clear that the spirit is biased. You know, the spirit has a very special concern for the, as Howard Thurman would say it, the great African-American teacher, the disinherited. And uh, so that's where it really starts. And then you can see the flow, the, the, the presence of the spirit kind of goes under the surface for a while, then it pops back up. You know, it's not always there, which I think is interesting. It's a mysterious presence. Um, sometimes called an elusive presence, but it's it begins there. Um, so I guess I would say it's there at the beginning of the Bible, and it's there at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Oh, interesting. It's, yeah. There are a lot of beginnings. 
Lots of beginnings, right? Beginnings. That's interesting. So I, I also think of, you know, for me, um, the you know the triune god the trinity right the father the son and the holy spirit is sort of what i was raised uh doing when you know when you cross yourself i worked for a few episcopal churches when you cross yourself the, you know that's yes. part of that that triune god um when we sing hymns when the trinity is mentioned that's when we do the amen at the end of hymns if that's you're somebody that follows that tradition so it's a yes. sort of a a built-in part of a lot of religious teaching in, in Western Christianity. Um, can you explain, <laughs> do, you, do you have an hour and a half to explain what the Trinity is? Cause to be honest, I've never, I, you know, I feel like I get this like kind of kernel cause it's the idea. So my understanding is that it's this, it's a three in one situation. <laughs> right. You've got it. That's a very good start. Yeah. Right. It is se separate, but whole. Yes. That's lovely. That's it. That's all I got. Getting it started off. So, you know, can I, can I get a year and a half instead of an hour and a half? You know, can we just like start it now and finish it up sometime in 2022? And seminary. I would, I would attend. I would, that would be great. I'll be first in line. <laughs> you know what I think is so fascinating about this? Uh, so you really, it's great to raise the question because the spirit is one of, I think what's been called historically or theologically, theologically, one of the three expressions of God. So God expresses God's self as a creator, as the Christ, and as the spirit. So you can know God in these different ways, you know? So if you are drawn to creative activity in the world of nature, you can experience God in that way. Uh, God is also revealed through Jesus and his words, and that can, that's a continuing presence. But the Spirit comes in in some ways because Jesus himself indicated that after his death, he said to his uh, disciples, I will give you another who will accompany you, and that the name of that other is the Holy Spirit. So the, it's interesting that the Trinity, which is, I think if we asked so many people, you know, in churches, it would be really interesting if we could do a little survey starting at, you know, Round Hill, but going around to other congregations, we know what kind of responses we would get to the Trinity and what it means. It, it's it's present in some ways in the writings of the New Testament. It's just beginning to come into focus. But not all that long after Jesus dies, it becomes incredibly important. And so when the early Christian church gathered to sort itself out and decide what it believed in and what it did not believe in, the Trinity became very, very important, which I think is interesting. And um, interesting also for our faith today, because the Spirit represents the continuing presence of Jesus in the life of the church. That's the shorthand way of saying it. But I don't want to go back to your phrase because it is three in one. So in other words, when you, whenever you experience one, you experience all three. Mm -hmm. So it's never only the spirit but, or only the creator. It's always together. And St. Patrick of Ireland, you know, he, he saw the clover in the sense, the three leaves of the clover as being one way to describe the Trinity, all basically formed at one root, but expressing itself in three different ways. That was the best I've ever, that made more sense to me. Thank you for that. That made more sense to me than the last 30 years of religious education I've had. So thank I'll you never be that. able to repeat it. So I'm glad we recorded just in we case. We recorded it. it. We will, we, I'm going to save that clip. <laughs>
Thank, Thank you. you. That was incredible. Yeah, that's so helpful to just as a way to sort of think about it and organize it in, in my own mind. I hope it's helpful to you all. Um, so we talked about a little bit after Jesus's death, the disciples having the spirit that being important to them, the Trinity being important to them. So what did the spirit make possible after the death of Jesus? And because we have this season of Easter, right? Easter, Easter right. actually starts a season Yes. Um, actually, in the same way that Christmas does, I won't do my Christmas Day rant. But <laughs> Easter, we st- we start something on that day. Yeah, I love. It. Thank you so much for mentioning that because people forget that Easter is a whole season, and it's it's usually known as the Great Forty Days, and it's this you know this great sense or Great Fifty Days. I'm sorry, it's uh, the sense of the um, the continuing presence of what Jesus makes possible, right, in the life of the world. And uh, it concludes then with Pentecost, which is the explosive energy of the spirit in the life of the church. And that's a whole new experience um, that the church cherishes as it looks back you know, to those days. And you're coming about the disciples. So you can imagine after the death of Jesus, they're just bereft. You know, they have they've lost their closest friend. They have no guide. They have no compass now any longer. And um, when Jesus appears to them, there's this wonderful moment in the Gospel of John where he suddenly materializes in the midst of a locked room where they're hanging out because they are now protective of their own lives. And the very first thing he does is to breathe on them. So it's as if he can he can communicate his spirit from himself to them. And that and the question of what does it do to them, it really gives them new life. And a lot of a lot of times preachers like to say that there are two resurrections we celebrate at Easter. One is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The other one is the resurrection of the disciples from being close to dead. And um, but that's made possible by, you know, by the energy they receive. It's I'm fascinated by the fact that, you know, in the early Christian community, this this small small group of disciples somehow managed to become the beginning of a global movement and it just doesn't seem likely that they would have done that all under their own power mm. you know so i think that's part of why the spirit comes into discussion there was an essential intangible there that they could not manufacture themselves that's what gave them the power to do what they needed to do and then the christian movement really flourished for the next you know, 300 years and beyond that. I think about how many symbols we use for the Holy Spirit mm, in, in yeah. art. I think that, you know, Pentecost makes me think of, of fire and flame. Yes. And then a lot of times we see, you know, a dove, which right. I would, you know, as a, I, I would never put those two together. Right. <laughs> I <for> the dove. <laughs> yeah. <Ooh. laughs> Not good at all. Animal cruelty. No, thank you. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, are there other symbols that help us understand the Holy Spirit besides the, those are two obvious ones I've mentioned? Yeah, those are two great and obvious ones. By the way, there's two others that I would throw into the mix. In the Celtic tradition in Western Scotland, the Holy Spirit is sometimes portrayed as a wild goose. 
So that's a little different from the nice meek dove, but I just love that. Idea that's very, that sounds like a very scrappy spirit. <laughs> doesn't honking across the sky. I really love that image. I have to tell you, that makes me giggle extra hard because yesterday uh, we were leaving Home Depot and driving past, there's this sort of like industrial building right there here in Stanford. And there was a goose Oh. Sitting in the middle of an empty parking lot. I don't know if it was laying an egg or something, but it was just like by itself, but just full chilling. Like just, just like it was in the middle of a parking lot. So all I could so maybe the Holy Spirit was there to say hello. I don't it's entirely possible. Keep our eyes and ears open. You know, you never know where it'll show up. That's I just right. love that. <laughs> I love that image. And also, you know, this whole thing about chasing the wild goose and how right. right? Um, and there's one other symbol that sometimes people use for the Holy Spirit, and it's three wavy lines that are together. And sometimes that can symbolize, I think, depending on how people interpret that. Some people see it as water. Some people see it as as wind or air or breath. So those are another another two that people use. That's a really great question. How do we how do you give uh, representation to something that's invisible? Right. And yeah. how do you express it? So uh but but those are some wonderful images that people use. I, I will say to you that I was just reading an article by Barbara Brown Taylor, who not all that many years ago was determined, you know, deemed to be one of the 10 most outstanding preachers in the United States. And she's an Episcopalian, lives in Georgia. She doesn't serve a church anymore. She wrote a book called Leaving Church mm-hmm. and uh, is now a, now a professor at a small college. But she said in this article that while she's, pretty much not entirely left the institutional church, but she's really distanced herself from it. Um, She used to wear a cross and now she wears a symbol of the dove. Mm -hmm. And I think that she teaches global religions. And I think that there's something obviously much more universal about the image of spirit. When you're talking about the cross and Jesus, that's very specific. And that's a very powerful image. Um, But it's, it's not as broad as the image of spirit. That's something that in a sense you can you can move into all religious expressions with that word. And hence the word spirituality, you know, that people used yeah, to describe their interaction. Exactly. Yeah. Thank yeah, I was gonna ask about that. So I feel like the word spirit is so part of the word spirituality. And I think, you know, I think so much of, of people's experience with religion and faith. Sometimes spirituality can feel separate. You know, I've heard yes. people say I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah. And so I feel like sometimes people, that can feel separate or depending on your your impression of and your relationship and experiences with traditional religion, um, that can feel like a good thing or that can feel like a negative thing. Right. Don't you think often when people are saying that it does sound, it seems to have a negative implication, you know, that I'm. I'm letting go of something or I'm leaving something in order to take on something new. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I had a wish about that, I, I my wish is that we wouldn't separate them in the way that we do, you know, that I'm, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, religion comes from a Latin word, religio, to bind. Uh, and it really has to do with this sense of, I think, a spirit of community. You know, it's it's something that's bound together. And I'd like to think the thing that's uniting a community is this invisible spirit. Um, You know, we tend in our in our culture these days to be very polarizing when we're discussing topics like this. And 
I just wish that uh, we could keep an open mind about holding those two different things together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think one of the reasons why you and I, you know, come back and do this podcast every week is because we want to, uh, you know, fill some space in the narrative and offer mm. an experience of re- of religion that mm-hmm. might be different to what other people have been hearing or have experienced. That mm-hmm. that religion doesn't have to feel like a four letter word sometimes, um, and that we are a spiritual community who are joined by our our values and care for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad word. Um, and that we can discuss these things with respect for each other, right. and respect for different different perspectives. Yeah, yeah, well said. I absolutely agree. And I think we need spaces like this where we can find that common ground and not lose our sense of community, you know, and um, be wonderful to think that that we were that we're part of maybe a new movement, especially coming out of the awfulness of the pandemic, where people are looking for a different kind of community where they could experience religion and spirituality as two vibrant forces working in tandem, um, you know, to bring us a richer sense of life and a greater sense of love for ourselves and the world around us. Absolutely. And if you listening want to be part of this conversation, and we very much hope you will, you can Mm -hmm. shoot us an email. We're very fancy. We have an email address now. (laughs) Yay. You can email us at podcast at roundhillcommunitychurch.org. Please feel free to send us any questions you might have, any topics you'd like us to tackle, or suggestions for any guests you might want uh, us to interview and have conversations with. We would love to hear from you. So if you have a minute, podcast at roundhillcommunitychurch.org. Thank you so much. Uh, everybody. And thank you, Ed, for your time today. This was illuminating. Thank you, Leslie. Blessings to all. Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Round Hill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundhillcommunitychurch.org.